Please listen carefully. Welcome to Autism in the Wild, the show that talks about what it's really like living with autism. Here are your hosts, Noah and Chris. All right, welcome to another episode of Autism in the Wild. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Noah. And today we have as our guest, Andrew Kamara. And he is a financial planner out in the state of Connecticut. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. Why don't you give um, just a little bit of a background about yourself and how you got started with what you do? So my name is Andrew Camaro. I'm an autistic certified financial planner. I actually just passed uh, another exam. So now I have uh, 57 other letters after my name, qualification certifications. Uh, a lot of what we do is help people find benefits and resources where to go. They don't even know what questions to ask. So a lot of times there's the parents, the individuals, or the employers looking to hire. Uh, neurodiverse or autistic adults. Uh, so I've been a financial planner for 10 years, diagnosed autism later in life. After that, I wanted to focus my practice uh, much more specific. Great. We do some other really cool things. We have an event calendar, thousands of events around the country, do presentations on autism and driving. Um, we're definitely trying not to be boring. Yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got to your diagnosis then. It was almost like kind of one of those where I, I made a joke to a therapist and she's like, well, you probably shouldn't be joking. And it's just one of those where it was kind of amazing. It was never, you know, discovered in the first place, right? It just made a lot of sense. So for me, it was kind of uh, slow. I didn't necessarily seek it out. I, I think a lot of people do. It was suggested by somebody who had known me for a while, but wanted to be more certain before she said anything, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Our guys were, um, our, we have a uh, twin boys who have autism. Noah's one of one of the twins and they were diagnosed just before the age of two. Yep. So pretty early in life. So, yeah. So I know I was, uh, again, diagnosed much later and, you know, it was like watching like a TV show be like, Oh, I'm, I'm a lot like that. Or, or there was just a lot of similarities and my therapist was like, Oh, maybe you shouldn't be joking. So, and she had been thinking it for a while. She just didn't want to, she wanted to be, you know, certain. Okay. And, and then after that diagnosis, did that, how did that change? How you, how, how did that change your personal life and your professional life? personal life was a bit of a struggle just for a little bit. Just, you know, I questioned a lot. There was a lot of self-discovery, a lot of learning, uh, all, all ended in a really positive way. Professionally, it probably had an even bigger impact. I went from, you know, more of a general financial planner, you know, traditionally helping, you know, very high net worth individuals, very wealthy people, investments, and I really like the complex planning, but I also really wanted to help people who needed it the most. And, you know, some making somebody going from $10 million to $11 million isn't quite as rewarding as helping somebody who really 
without your help, wouldn't be able to retire or accomplish the things that they want to do. So, um, but, you know, working with other, let's, you know, other autistic individuals, families allowed me to still do what I like to do. And, you know, the complexities are there. There's so many more moving parts. So definitely really transformed my business and uh, much more of a focus now and a lot more rewarding. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I could see how, you know, helping, you know, once you get that diagnosis, it maybe change your perspective on things, it sounds like. And, uh, you know, just looking through your website and the services you offer and, and this is a much needed thing in our, in the autism community. So uh, thank you for, for doing that. That's a, this is a big deal. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I feel again, very strongly about it. No, but there are lots of people who will say, quote, focus on special needs. A lot of them are parents. There isn't a lot of focus on the individuals themselves. And even the advisors who work at our company who are parents, right? We do have a much more holistic centered approach. So we definitely try to incorporate the individuals as much in the decision-making process as well. And not just, you know, push a product or sell insurance, right? We're really about in the business of giving advice. Great. Now, do you want to ask Andrew a question? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Tell us a little bit about the services that your team offers to people on the spectrum. So it depends. Um, A lot of So a a lot of what we'll do to people on the spectrum is what we would do to, let's say, everyone, right? I'll call it normal, boring financial planning. I mean, there's still a lot of working with people who think like you or understanding or, you know, just some of the intricacies. So, again, helping people plan for the future financially, right? There's insurance, benefits, budgeting, money, uh, managing investments, trusts, I'll call it all that really super boring stuff. So, but then, you know, the other part that's a big passion, right, is a lot of people are afraid to work because they're afraid of losing government benefits. So a lot of what we do is help people understand what they're entitled to and how they actually probably can work and still receive benefits and or work with the employers that want to hire people with disabilities and still allow them to maintain that flexibility and criteria. We do a lot of, again, empowering the individual. So, you know, if a parent leaves money in a trust, right? Usually the individual with autism doesn't know the trust exists or anything about it. So we help not only just manage the assets and help with the decision-making and the trust, but really try to involve the individual as much as possible in their own process. I'm on Connecticut's Autism Waiver uh, committee for Medicaid. I'm on Connecticut Support Decision Making Task Force. So do lots of advocacy in general. Yeah, that's that sounds good. Yeah, we there's a there's a we're in Iowa and there's a, a one person in the state of Iowa. I know there's more than one, but one person in particular who's really does a lot of advocacy for you know the special needs and the trust and the that kind of thing. And so we're thankful that he's been doing that for a long time. So it's a much needed thing. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your team. 
the people on your team and, and a little bit about what they, they do. So there's Andrew Arbo. He does a lot of presentations on autism and driving, uh, works with the driving school. So that's a very popular topic and something to talk about. And a lot of people are, why are you a financial planning company, you know, talking about autism and driving and it's, you know, independence, the future, living on your own, right? Transportation is just the humongous part of that. So then we also have, you know, we have Becalori Hector, who's, you know, director of individual empowerment, employee wellness coach. So for, if we're managing, you know, companies, you know, retirement plan benefits or trying to really, you know, empower the individual, not necessarily a job coach, but again, more empowerment. We also have, uh, Jillian, who does our you know, digital marketing, our newsletter every month. We have myself. So those are the four current autistic people on the staff. Then we also have Brittany, uh, Kristen, yeah, so who helps with our benefits. So we have a pretty big growing team. And we have another, sorry, <laughs> another advisor, uh, Nolan Menachmanson as well, who's uh, a parent. Yeah, I was looking through the bios on your website, and um, it was really nice to see the um, the experience, and 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 you know, with not only financial planning because that's obviously important, but with uh, experience with autism, and so you know, being able to relate to the parents and the families has got to be really important when you're working with people. So that was really good to see. Um, okay, so uh, one question. What for you coming at it as a parent? What would what should parents who have kids on the spectrum, whether they're um, maybe would start with kids kids under eighteen, what what should they understand or know about financial planning? Whatever you think it is, it's probably wrong, right? So some people think, you know, financial financial planning really doesn't have a great definition. Some people think it's, you know, strictly investments. Uh, some people think they have to have a lot of money to do financial planning. And I, I think it's really simple. It's, you know, money is a part of every part of our lives, whether we like it or not. And, you know, financial planning is taking a look at where you are, where you want to go, and then figuring out how to use money and the tools around it to get there. Are there any specific tools or um, products that would be good for parents to look at who have kids on the spectrum and more specifically people who are on like medic, you know, have the waiver and have Medicaid and um, our, our son is on Medicaid. So we've, we, we have a special needs trust set up, but I've, I'm curious to know what you would, what you would advise people. So Again, I I think all of those things are tools and I think tools are good. So for example, an ABLE account is a great thing. I'm a ABLE ambassador for 2020, the ABLE National Resource Center. But I would strongly, you know, suggest that, you know, take a look at the reason you're doing something is kind of more important than what you're doing. So I think, again, when we talk about financial planning, I think it's really looking at the big picture and we really, you really have to do that versus the pieces, you know, of a whole. So for example, simply having a special needs trust isn't, you know, a plan, 
right? That's not mm-hmm. a solution in itself. And, and I feel like a lot of people think it is. And then it's also, well, what type of special needs trust do you have? And what's the language in it? And you shouldn't have to know all that, but you should know the reason it's set up, right? Or if it's a standalone or testamentary, there, there's basics of what type of trust it is, but you should at least know why you did it. I think that's what really matters is the intent. So I would say able accounts are something great to look at. You can't, you don't go wrong saving money. But I also, on one hand, I don't want to scare anyone into doing nothing. But on the other hand, I don't want people to think that because they saw an attorney and set up a special needs trust, they don't need to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. For people who may not know what an able account is, what, like at a high level, what is that? It's a college, it's uh, modeled after the 529 college savings uh, law. So it's essentially a savings account for individuals with uh, disabilities. They're able to shield the money from being seen for Medicaid or Social Security. So they're able to save money and still qualify for benefits in a tax advantage way. Cool. And so... um... Who can contribute to those accounts? I'm so anyone that... can contribute to an okay. ABLE account. Yep. Okay. And I do presentations all the time on ABLE accounts. I was at Connecticut uh, Treasurer's press conference when we announced the ABLE account. So I've been pretty influential on those. And I talk about them quite a bit, uh, helping hundreds of people around the country open ABLE accounts. Yeah. Our son is 19, um, Noah's brother. And he's still in school, but eventually he'll, you know, graduate and, and he's very able to go into the workforce and work. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad to say these ABLE accounts are available so we can not have to worry so much about that, that threshold, that Medicaid threshold and in dealing with that. So. Yeah, no, ABLE accounts are great. Right. And there's two parts. There's, helping qualify for benefits. And then there's also, you know, the part that's a bit of a savings account. So when anybody, somebody, whenever somebody asks me about opening an ABLE account, I always ask, why are they looking to open up an ABLE account, right? And sometimes the reason's fine. Sometimes you just want to save money, but sometimes they're looking at it for, you know, they're, they're looking at a tool, but when they really should be looking at the solution. So that that's, I, I think, the one takeaway that I'd want to give. No, I'll jump right in. Um, like, from a business standpoint, not really a business, but like, maybe like an autism or maybe even a business standpoint, what was your, what is one of your biggest challenges of like working with people or just living your life? I don't know. That's a super open end. I don't know what the biggest... Yeah, no, it's fine. I just don't know what the biggest challenge is. There's, I mean, a million. Uh, probably answering questions like that one. How's that for an answer? That works. That works. <laughs> so are there things, Andrew, that you find challenging because of your autism and working in the line of financial planning? Yeah, there's absolutely there's but there's things that can be overcome so either just managing a schedule um you know just all all of sensory challenges uh you know interpretations communication 
you know, all of it. But I think there's, you know, it's, again, simple things just like saying, hey, ask me a little bit more direct question on a podcast or, you know, giving uh, the lights or, you know, just being uh, a bit more direct and, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are able to help it w- you with the things that you're not as good at. Yeah, asking for help can be difficult right now. Yeah. Okay, no, you wanna try another question? Sure. This is kind of going back to um, you getting diagnosed, but I'm just out of curiosity, were there any like red flags that you noticed as a child, but kind of like didn't really go into more like attention with that could have hinted at a possible like diagnosis earlier on in your life? I think what, you know, it's almost kind of like what wasn't there, right? I mean, I think really everything was there. I just think it was one of those situations where it's just not what was being looked for. I, you know, on one hand, things could have been very different. On the other hand, they could have been, things could have been very different. So although I could spend a lot of time thinking about what might have been, I, I really actually try to avoid that. Um, again, simply just because, you know, who knows? But yeah, there were just so, I mean, honestly, just literally everything. It, it's kind of amazing. It was never noticed. Yeah. Sorry, not the best answer. That's fine. That's a good way of looking at it. Like not worrying, like don't worry about like what could have been, but just move forward. Yep. Cool. So what, what advice would you give uh, parents who have children on the spectrum? Um, in, we'll start with in terms of the work you do in terms of financial planning. What, where would, what would you say would be a good advice in terms of maybe where to start or who should they look for if they want to start doing any kind of uh, savings or planning? The first thing I would say is that kids are also kids. Young adults are also young adults. So if you have a 25-year-old who wants to stay home and play video games all day, sometimes it has nothing to do with the fact that they're autistic. A lot of 25-year-olds would love to stay home and play video games all day. That's not special to autism, right? I would really encourage parents to also really consider the guardianship slash conservatorship options. Uh, many, many times they're not needed, they're overused. And I find a lot of parents just don't know that there are alternatives such as supported decision-making. I'm not saying one solution is correct for everyone, but it's definitely always preferable to keep flexibility and to have the least restrictive environment, right? When you do guardianship or conservatorship, you're irrevocably taking away an individual's rights. And a lot of times it's just not needed. And it's just the option that parents know. I would also just, you know, say that don't listen to people like me when it comes to financial planning. Most of the financial planners who quote specialize in special needs work for insurance companies and they want to sell you expensive insurance that you don't need. Don't listen to them. Also, yeah. so I mean, And again, keep flexibility. It's a good idea. It's never a bad idea to save money, but you know, it's whatever you do, ask the reason you're doing it. 
And that matters way more than what you're doing. You should absolutely know the reason you're doing it. And you should know some of the details. You should know whether you have a standalone or testamentary trust, right? Though that, that's a big distinction. But then you should also know, right, the reason, the reason you did it, what you were looking to accomplish. And you should know the intent behind what you're looking to do. Yeah, that's, that's a great advice. We, we did guardianship with our son, Isaac, but we didn't, didn't need to do that for Noah. He doesn't need that. So I think every, every case is uh, unique. So I, I like what you said about making and sure you understand why you're doing something or want to do something. I think that's really important. And I'd also, you know, suggest to parents out there, you know, we, I know that parents do a ton of research about lots of things. Um, and sometimes finance, finances isn't everyone's, doesn't go real well, you know, not everyone likes to research finances, but I think at the very least, just to understand, you know, oh, there's an ABLE account, it kind of does this. So when you go and work with someone, you can at least understand what, what is, more importantly, why, why it exists and why you might want to use it. So I think those are all good things for for parents or guardians or even adults to, 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 to know, but no, what do you think about what Andrew said? I mean, I, this is all new stuff to me. This is very uncharted territory for me. I know just about nothing about finances. So I'm just like, I'm just smiling and nodding, taking everything in. I really don't have any like criticism or anything to add. So, yeah. Yeah. So Andrew, if, if someone like me or Noah wanted to learn a, a little bit more about some of these topics, uh, you know, do you have a recommendation on where people should go? Because you can do a Google search, but man, that'll there's probably a ton of information out there. But what advice might you have there? So I, again, I would I would say that it is really complicated that most of the people real again there's very few people even somewhere close to let's say me right but again most financial people won't understand a lot of what you're looking to do what you're looking to go for so i would say if you're just trying to look you know basic finance basic investment look at it from the uh lens of you know general right? Basic knowledge, basic uh, investment, basic money skills. I There's presentations on our YouTube or I've done with other companies on just, again, a basic handle. But, you know, it's good to have an app, right? Just see what you spend. If you don't have a credit card, get a credit card, you know, $300. And I, I actually have a, a list of some pretty easy to use tips. I actually and I can send that along with a graphic to you. I think that'd probably be one of the, probably easier than this, so. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, and can you share what you, the name of your business is? Oh, sorry, yes, Planning Across the Spectrum. Cool, and you're located in Connecticut. So does that mean someone would need to live in Connecticut if they wanted to work with you, or can you work uh, No, absolutely not. We have, I mean, have clients, uh, we do business every state in the country. We also even have clients in in other countries as well. So, 
but for the most part, you know, the United States. Great. So if someone wanted to learn a little bit more about uh, what you guys do, and I'm guessing your website would be a good place to go. Yeah, definitely the website would be the place to go. Okay. We'll put your, a link to your website in the show notes so people uh, have access to that. So there was a lot of good information I was looking on there earlier. So thank you. Yeah, it's really good. So, no, do you have any other questions for Andrew? No, I do not. Okay, I have one more, and sure, this was this it. was from my my wife. I asked her, I, I shared with her earlier today what who we were going to talk to, and she she gave me a bunch of questions, and we've already talked through a lot of them. But, um, you know, one of her one of her questions was, you know, one of a parent's greatest fear is dying before a child, right? Yeah. And so what are some tips that parents can do to make sure their, their kids are going to be taken care of, at least from a financial standpoint? Well, the first, well, you got to have a financial plan to start with, right? Uh, the other part is the more independence you can teach, the better, right? Because chances are, right, that your child is going to outlive you, right? And not having a plan is not an answer, right? That doesn't solve the problem. And, you know, the best thing you can do is to, you know, help push them to be as, you know, successful, independent, and happy as they are capable of being. I find a lot of parents have spent so much time advocating and working hard, fighting school systems and places for their child that when that child is no longer a child, uh, their whole identity is wrapped up in it. So they, in a way, almost don't, um, you know, stop. They really don't allow that individual to really ever get independence, keep sheltering them, if that makes sense. Go back to my example with the 25-year-old, you know, home playing video games all day, right? But also, again, to set things up, you can involve the individual as much as possible in their own decisions, right? Even if they are going to need a special needs trust or they are going to, you know, need help. Who doesn't need help in some aspects of their daily life, right? Everyone needs help. Nobody is truly independent, right? We're all interdependent. So I think having a plan and again, making sure all the things that you have are all going towards the goal of what you want to accomplish, you know, and making sure that everything you have all works together. Yeah, that's terrific advice. Anyway, uh, you know, do you have, do you know what type of special needs trust do you have? Do you have a testamentary? Do you have a standalone? Is it part of your will or is it a separate document? Yeah. Well, I don't know the answers to all that, but I know I can well, find them out. <laughs> so, well, there you go too. Right. And I guess it was kind of one question, but you know, but again, why do you have it? You know, I guess the other, if I were to give just another piece of advice when it comes to planning, I would say don't plan on a family member, you know, think about all the work that you do helping your child, right. Or young adult. And do you really think that, you know, their brother, sibling, whoever, with a full-time job, wife, kids, the whole nine yards can also replace the 20, 30 hours a week that you're doing helping them? The answer is probably not. So it's really important to really think about what you're doing 
and it is hard, right? There is a lot of, you know, consideration, right? It's not a fun topic to talk about, right? Nobody likes talking about it, but it's very, you know, to be realistic and to take a step back. So, and to think about, you know, what would you like to happen and to try to start planning for it, you know, as much as possible. But again, it can be planned for. I guess the biggest pitfall I see that I think is unanticipated is who's going to be the trustee of the trust, who is going to watch after the child and not to scare your wife. So I apologize in advance. Uh, If you selected a family member, you should really reconsider it, right? Just think about all the time you spend doing all that you're doing. Do you think the other family member is capable of doing all of that? Generally, that's not phrased. That's not really brought up, right? Um, I don't find it mentioned enough. But there are there are options, right? There are services. There are, you know, trustees who are not family, right? Who can do the job. And when you think about it, it is a job, you know, spending, you know, 10, 40 hours a week somewhere in the middle helping all the planning benefits, et cetera, you know, it's not just about the money and a place to live. You know, you do a lot as a parent, not just, you know, money and a place to live and is it's not replaceable, but at the same time, you know, don't expect family to be able to pick up that burden either. Yeah. So many things you said there like spot on, uh, you know, when we set up our our will, you know, we put in, you know, who is going to take the kids when they're little, you know, and we asked some friends of ours who had, and they said no, you know, because they said we really thought about it, and we said we don't, we we just don't think that's a good fit for us, and we, you know, at the first it was like oh, but then I thought, well, thank you for at least taking the consideration and thinking it through and, and really making a, a good decision for you because that'll ultimately, you know, have an impact on our kids. So no matter, I, I guess I, I would say too, as a parent, when you are going to think about who you want your kids to be taken care of or by home, um, when you ask someone, make sure you give them the opportunity to say no, because they, you know, it's, it's a, if it's something does happen and they are get that responsibility, that's a big deal. I mean, whether your kids are on the spectrum or not. So I, I still say, give, give them the opportunity to say no and, you know, don't pressure. So that would be my advice in that area. Awesome. Andrew, I, I really appreciate your time and your answers and your insights. I've Thank learned you. a lot. I think Noah's learned a lot because he didn't know anything about this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's good. good. Uh, any final parting words you'd like to share uh, with the listeners? No, uh, our website has a lot of great resources. We have a lot of stuff that's not financial planning. I highly recommend checking our event calendar. It has literally thousands of events from around the country. So that that's a big one right there. And, you know, it's again, get started, do a little something, start moving in the right direction. Great. Well, we appreciate your, uh, your insights, expertise, and for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. 
Anything else, Don? Uh, no, but thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come talk to us. We really yeah. appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, people who listen to this, I, I'm really hoping people get like sparked to think about I should I should start with that plan. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's exactly. that's a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks for listening.